flip to Joshua 24, and I'll go ahead and I'll just read uh, Proverbs 20, verse 7. First, Proverbs 20, verse 7, it says, The righteous man walks in his integrity, and his children are blessed after him. Okay? So the righteous man walks in his integrity, and his children are blessed after him. And so now Joshua 24. Um, I'll just kind of rehearse maybe the first parts of chapter 24, and our main text will be from like verse 13, 14, and 15. Uh, Joshua, it's now the end of his life and his leadership in the life of Israel. He took over leadership from Moses. They uh, went into the land of promise. They conquered and they uh, dispersed the land to all of the children of Israel. And at the end of his life, towards the very end, he's recounting all that God has done. And he's saying, you know, uh, he chose our father Abraham. He showed them and he gave them this land. And he talked through uh, Moses and everything that happened. And in verse 13 of chapter 24 of the book of Joshua, it says this, speaking from God's perspective. And I gave you a land on which you had not labored and cities which you had not built. And you have lived in them and you are eating of vineyards and olive groves which you did not plant. And so he's talking about uh, all of the, the land and cities and, and, and vineyards that he had given the children of Israel because they had conquered and moved into this land. And God is saying, I gave you the stuff you did not build or plant yourselves. Okay? And so he's speaking that emphatically. And then it says in verse 14, Now therefore, understanding that God has done all of this, for them, shown them this much favor. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. And if this is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's a very powerful and familiar verse to many. We'll stop the reading there. Uh, today, I mean, I, I do, I want to lift up and encourage the, the, the role, the position of father in our lives. Um, if you have a, a father living, I mean, this is now the second Father's Day that I'm celebrating that my father has passed on. And, you know, as I look at my dad and the, the place that he had in my life, I had so many different ideas of what a dad was or different ideas of my dad through the different stages of life. You know, when I was a, a young child, like a, in preschool and in early elementary, I, I have distant memories. And through like the middle elementary ages, through uh, early junior high, I have certain memories. In high school, a little more disconnected. I was doing my own thing. And, you know, through college and beyond, it seems that every season of life offered a, a slightly different, at least impression to my heart of what my dad was to me. Now, what your relationship was to your father growing up, that you know. Right, And we want to look at this idea of what it means to be a father, what it means to be the head of a household, and to really honor that headship and to think about it properly. Okay? Because I, I, you know, I was looking at some of the statistics and spending on Mother's Day and on Father's Day, it, there's a huge disparity. 
We're talking, I mean, it's kind of sad to talk about the disparity of like restaurant spending, special events, and gift spending for mothers, and it is for fathers, right? I, it really is. It's pretty sad. Like, I mean, it's like a big drop-off, right? And I look at that, and it shows you something, right? That into adulthood, that when we think about the connection that we had with our dads and the connection that we had with our moms, there seems to be a tighter connection on this end and not so much so with our fathers. And it shows in the tangible ways of spending on Father's Day versus Mother's Day. And there's an assault on that role of the father, on the position of the father, and it is a spiritual one, right? And so when we properly understand from a, from a, from a biblical standpoint the position of a father and the role and the honor that he has in that place, I believe we can reclaim the beauty of that. Now, I have to remind myself time and time again that I have been given this title of father on loan that ultimately when these children of mine grow up, they hopefully will have a good idea of what the word father means. So that when they come to a place where they go and have to accept a heavenly father into their lives, that I have been a good steward of that title. That there's no baggage that, that goes with that title to them and they look at a heavenly father who's disconnected, more interested in other stuff, always busy doing work and other things and the children were a secondary responsibility that I hope that when they look at a heavenly father that they would look at it like a, a father is a person who is close, affectionate, loving, providing, protecting, serving. That, that, that is a deep wish of mine and I know that this title of father has been given to me on loan. Right? That God says, you steward that title and you steward it well, son. And I remind myself of that time and time again. And so the position that I have as a father or as a husband, I realize how important that is. And so today, I mean, on Father's Day, we do want to celebrate dads. We want to uh, say to dads and future dads out there, if, you don't, if you're not married or you don't have any kids yet, that uh, one day uh, when you have children or even if you don't have natural children of your own, you are still a father figure a father figure to many people in your lives. And the influence and the mentorship that you give to those particular people that look to you as a leader, as a role model, as a father figure, that you can also steward that title very well. Before I became a father, I loved being an uncle. I mean, you know, we're all like, you know, uncles are, it's a great, it's a really a great position to have. I love the title of uncle because you get, a, it's like grandparent, you get all the good stuff, right? And then you get to hand off when it's the, the bad stuff. And you get to just play with the nieces and nephews and you know uncles are usually the type that are you know very playful and the the the, the young ones look forward to spending time with them and, and I loved spending time with my niece and my nephew of course um, you know before I got married and have kids and in, in a way even as an uncle there's a, a responsibility there there's a, a place of, of leadership and affection that you can give so we do want to celebrate dads future dads uh, and the position uh, of what that place looks like as a male leader uh, today. And if I could say this, maybe you've heard me say this before, but this is a firm belief that I have in my heart. And it's the understanding that the home is the most important place of personal formation on earth. And as I look at what happens in the home, 
Now, I, I think about my identity and my values, and I think the same thing can be said for yourselves. That as you think about what you value, what you think about yourself in terms of your identity, the actions that you want to take, that all of those had its genesis. That the benchmark of those ideas, thoughts, and actions came from the home, your home, how you grew up, whatever place you called home. And so the home is that incubator of potential. It is the place that formulates values. It is the place that, 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 that really uh, gives and, 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 and transfers these ideologies. And it is that space that forms people, the leaders, the citizens of tomorrow. And I think about two activities that I do as an adult in terms of my idea of what happened in the home. I'm either trying to do one of two things. I'm trying to enhance what I got from the home or I'm trying to erase what I got from the home. If you think about it, like all of the good stuff that was reinforced, and as an adult, you're just trying to build on that. You're trying to build on, on, those, on those priorities, on those values, on those lessons, and you're trying to enhance those things that were given to you from the home or maybe you're trying to erase it. Maybe you're trying to forget what was told to you, what was done to you, what, you said, what was said you could not do or who you were not, right? And so either we're trying to enhance or erase, but either way, the home is the benchmark. It is the genesis. It is the space in which young minds are shaped for the future. And so either we're giving them a step up or a step down, but either way, I am giving them a starting point for their adult lives, and it happens in the home. That's why it's the most important space of personal formation. That what happens there, the values that I transmit in the home is the most important. Now, yes, as a pastor, maybe values that I transmit in the church are important, but even more so than what happens in education spaces or in religious spaces, what happens in the family space of the home is the absolute benchmark and most important place that I begin to form what I think is right or wrong, the values of life. And so when we think of moms or dads or aunts or uncles or foster parents or when we think about all of the roles that, that are, take place in that space of the home, older sister or brother, that the relationships and the dynamics of what happens there is so special, potent. It's the space in which we realize that what we do here, it is magnified so much that not all time is equal, that all, not all words are equal, that not all relationships are equal. That what I get in those moments from my father as a young moldable child, that what I got from my mom as a young impressionable kid, that, that far outweighed the hours or the thousands of words that I heard from other folks. Because somehow that there was an inroad into my heart from those roles, from those people, that it began to, to create a foundation in which all other words were built upon, which all other thoughts molded against. And so yes, it is important. It's important that mothers lead and fathers lead. But today we do focus a little bit more on dads being that it is Father's Day. But I can say this more emphatically, how important the home is, that what we do there, what we say there, how we lead there, is so important that parents are the artisans and creators of tomorrow's citizens. 
that we are the sculptors that are sculpting the potential and the behaviors of tomorrow's people. That's the role of a parent. That's the role in some senses of what it means to be a leader to the next generation. And so looking at the, these two passages, one in Joshua 24 and the other in Proverbs, I want to start from the one in Joshua. Joshua recounts the history of Israel at the end of his life. And he begins to say, you know, God has done all of this for you. He gave you cities. He drove out the people in front of you. You've given this land and these places. And all of this God has done for you. Right? And because of that, you need to make a choice, he's saying. Right? You need to make a choice. I, I, I want you to choose this day. I want you, therefore, to fear the Lord in verse 14. Serve Him with sincerity and truth. And then he says thirdly, and this is my first main point, Put away false gods. That you think about your forefathers, the ones that were Abraham and his father, Terah, that lived beyond the river. They served other gods. When you were in Egypt, there were all of these other gods. And as Joshua is saying this, he's looking at a people who had idols of gods in their homes. That comes across at the end of our chapter in 24, when he's saying, put away these false idols, put them away. And so as Joshua was speaking to a people that had just inherited an entire territory of promise by the blessing of God, he's looking to them now and saying, okay, this is what God has done. You have all of this favor. Now I want you to choose. I want you to think to all of the gods of the past, of your forefathers and all of the, the traditions that were handed down to you. And is that what you are going to worship? Or is it going to be your circumstance? Is it going to be the gods of the, the land in which you now dwell, the Amorites? Is it going to be circumstance? Or is it going to be by conviction? Will you serve the Lord? And so put away the false gods. Put away the false gods. And when I was writing this down in my notes, I, I began to ask myself, What's at stake is not only my future, not only my influence, but in a sense, the next generations. And I began to see the, the residual impact of what it means for one generation to have false gods. And I began to ask myself, what is the false god in my life? What are the things that God is asking me to put on check, to, to, to put away, and to make sure that this is not so high on the totem pole of priority, of importance. That when, that when my children look at me, that they know that they say, Dad loves God above all else. What is that in my life? What are the, the false gods of, of materialism or of technology or of other relationships that have crept its way in more important? And he's saying emphatically to a generation of people that have received a blessing that they did not deserve, trust in the Lord, worship Him with sincerity, serve Him in truth, and put away the false gods. And make sure you, you put those away, that there is one God in your life, that your actions matter, your inaction of not putting them away, it matters. That our decisions affect those we care for. And he says, fear the Lord, serve Him. And put away the false gods. And then in verse 15, he goes, choose for yourselves who you're going to serve, right? The gods of your forefathers beyond the river, the gods of the Amorites, which are the land in which you now live, or will you serve and worship the Lord? 
And the choice was theirs, that it was not a forced decision. And we all know that worship cannot be forced. That who we choose to worship and hold as an utmost priority in our lives is our choice. That is not dictated to us by the previous generation, by our church or our peers. That, that is a choice that we have. And we all have an individual choice and responsibility to put away the gods and serve the Lord. To put away false gods. And this has a, an impact on that next generation, right? And he's saying serve with truth and integrity. And this kind of leads me to the second main thing, that we need to walk in integrity. Because there are impressionable eyes that are always watching, aren't there? I mean, even before we started service, right? Jacob, I was talking uh, to our, our praise team that was getting ready about something that happened to a person that I know. And Jacob was listening to everything. And he wanted me to recount everything for him. And he was, I told him a little bit, like the Cliff Notes version. He goes, that's not all. He was speaking a lot more things, right? I mean, he was almost, in a sense, counting the words that I was speaking. That he knows the volume of information that I'm giving. And he... Took that all in. And I'm thinking he's just doing something else. But a child has one ear always towards the parent. I mean, I'm talking with Jenny and it's uncanny. They're doing something completely different across the house. And they're listening. What was that? What was that? And they come running over. Can you tell me again? Can you tell me again? All right? Because these young impressionable eyes and ears are always watching and listening. And so the importance of walking in integrity, right? The, the verse in Proverbs 20, uh, I read earlier, the righteous man walks in his integrity and his children are blessed after him, right? And so one man's decisions to walk in integrity not only affects his life, but it impacts the children of his life, the next generation. That when I choose to live in righteousness, then my children will be blessed. Not just as a spiritual blessing that God says, okay, I'll bless you and I'll let that blessing flow over to your children, but in a sense, because the children are watching the actions of their father, that when he lives rightly before the Lord, those children will also model that behavior. That there is not only the spiritual overflow of blessing, but there is the tangible blessing that these children will also walk that way in their later lives. That the righteous man walks in his integrity and his children are blessed. They're blessed. And so I think about the actions that I can take in my life, the perseverance that I can have, the courage that I can have, the love that I can show, the generosity that I can pursue, that all of these things my children will watch, that all of these things hopefully they'll begin to take on themselves and maybe take to another level, right? But my choices affect their lives because in a sense they will pattern that. And there's another proverb, Proverbs 14, Proverbs 14, 26, in the fear of the Lord there is strong confidence and his children will have a refuge, right? And so uh, when, a, when a man or a woman, a, a father or mother, that that person fears the Lord, that there is, uh, that, and as we know, that that is the beginning of so many good things in a person's life, right? That the fear of the Lord, that, that, that is the onset of wisdom and worship in a person's life. That when a person fears the Lord, he or she is constructing a refuge for his or her children, right? 
And so when I fear the Lord and I make decisions and I speak words in light of this healthy fear of God, then my children are protected by it. That it gives a hedge, a protection, a refuge over them and for them. That my integrity, though they may not see it or know it all the time, that it affects their lives. That the integrity that I have in the workplace will affect their lives. That the integrity that I have in the conversations that they do not hear will affect their lives. That my integrity, that my fear of God, it provides a blessing and refuge for their lives. And so as I kind of end, actually, yeah, guys, you can come back. I'm going to end by saying these two things. First, we are all leading people somewhere. Right? Like, if you think about it, if you look behind you, figuratively speaking, you'll see somebody following. Okay? Whether it's your own children, whether it's a peer, a colleague, a disciple, whoever it might be. When you look behind you, there is somebody following. And so we're leading people somewhere, right? That where we're going, somebody's actually following me. If I'm going to walk off a cliff, somebody actually will walk off following me. That if I'm going to climb a mountain, somebody will be following me. That if I'm going to the meadows, somebody will be following me. That where I'm going, somebody's watching and following. And so if that is the case, that where I am going, somebody is following me, that I might as well lead them closer to the heart of God. That where I go, that I might as well not choose the tradition, that I might not choose the circumstance, but I must choose the conviction of worship, that I'm leading people somewhere, that I'm leading. It's just a fact. I am leading people, right? And so why not make it leading people closer to the heart of God? the righteousness or integrity that I have, that the fear of the Lord that I pursue, that why not allow these things to be the heritage for those folks, for my children and the people that I have influence over. And so for a dad or a future dad or a leader or a mentor in any particular way, a parent, an uncle or an aunt, that I admonish you to always remember, put away those false gods, Walk in integrity and fear the Lord. Amen.